Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I am one of the hosts, Harrison Starr, joined as always, Ben Ross, Harmon Chillabrew. We don't care about Ben Ross. That's mean. I care very much about Ben Ross. And oh, it's like I'm back home for on Bruno. It's like I'm like I'm back home for Christmas. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, whenever there's a an infant involved or a toddler, yeah. Yeah, you get yeah. relegated. How you doing, man? I'm good. No complaints, been a little bit. Um scheduling got off track last week, much like the Iowa basketball's travel plans, so <laughs> not the the two are related. I think so. Here we're back. That's all that matters. Yeah, I was sick for uh, two and a half days and um, never took a COVID test. I probably should have, but the reason I didn't was because we were like snowed in. Um, in Arkansas, you know, you get an inch and it's it's game over. You get five inches and it's game over for like quite literally a week. Um but I powered through it for work, but by the end of each day and uh, Friday afternoon, I'm like, I'm going to do some very light yoga and I fell asleep during it. So like I was, I was sick, Um, but I'm better now. And I think, you know, the, the game that Iowa didn't play against Ohio state, I think that was kind of a good thing. Uh, Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. It's, um, Hopefully I was in a position to have a little bit more momentum when um, we take on the Buckeyes. It sounds like that game's not set in stone yet, and there's some speculation that some other games will be reshuffled in order to make it so Iowa doesn't play four games in five days or something like you know something crazy like that. So uh, I, I suppose we'll see what happens. Crazy that I feel like I was the only team in the Big Ten that hasn't had anything rescheduled because of COVID this year. And then weather is what tells us in. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I found that incredible too. And the other thing I also found incredible was uh, the head coach having two sons on the team and mm. mm-hmm. no one, him, him testing positive, Fran McCaffrey testing positive, presumably because he was sick, right? I mean, that's, that's the assumption is he was sick. He had to get tested and then the fact that Connor and Patrick, maybe they just don't hang out with their father anymore. Uh, you know, they're living their own lives and are not close contacts technically. Um, but Con- the fact Connor that I should be Connor should be spending as much time around his dad as he can. His dad's been so nice to him. <laughs> oh, come on. Connor had a nice game against Penn State. Let's. I know. I mean, he's vindicated. I mean, Pat. We love we love Pat on this pod, so I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad about dra- dragging Connor's name through the mud if I could say some nice things about his younger brother. No, I mean I, I do think the the tenor of this podcast is heavily pro McCaffrey 
all of the McCaffreys. Um, I, I think you go back and listen. Even the one like where we were, the last one we were, we're going losing on about shoreline. Pat- we were losing shoreline <laughs> on the island oh, yeah. a little bit. Um, maybe maybe some conservation efforts can roost around this month and lead into March. But right now, it's definitely a seller's market or buyer's market. I think on this island that you and I occupy. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, don't, don't necessarily need to dive right into it, but but Ben, I'm I'm curious how how, how have things been in uh, Chicago land? Uh, they're fine. I too. Uh, I was sick, but that was, you, you already mentioned I got COVID um, on the last pod, I think. I, I've been fine, um, you know, just uh, making through. We got like t- 15 inches of snow between Wednesday and Thursday last week, or maybe it's Tuesday and Wednesday. It's pretty tough, uh, tough out here, but I like the snow. It doesn't really bug me, and I'm going to move your question on to another question for you. I only wrote down one thing on my notes yeah. and I was, I was in a situation where uh, I was going shopping and I was looking at my fridge and I wanted to make sure I had a well-stocked fridge for one reason or another. Yeah. And I was opening it up and I had in my fridge it consisted of eggs, spinach and seven different kinds of cheese. And let me ask you, and the, the, the cheese is, Getting there with my question to you is what is the strangest snack that you eat regularly? Something that if someone oh, wasn't close if someone wasn't close to you, they'd be like, What in the actual fuck is wrong with you? Lately, Ben, you know what I've gotten into? Yeah. Pop tarts. Okay. Pop tarts is funny. <laughs> It's funny you bring up Pop-Tarts because me and my friends talk about Pop-Tarts all the time because there's a guy in our fraternity at Iowa who, I shit you not, would eat seven Pop-Tarts a day. Like, that would just be all he eats. <laughs> and so every time we go to, like, 7-Eleven, we just point the Pop-Tarts and say, oh, it's such and such as, you know, who's they remind you of? And Pop-Tarts are fine because, like, they're dessert. Like, if you don't treat them like they're yeah. a breakfast food – their dessert you, and you get popping the toaster for a minute for a minute like the hot fudge pop tarts they would have those at yeah. the rec hall at iowa and like they've certainly contributed to my freshman 38 pounds so like i am not i'm not yucking that yum at all okay all right so so pop tarts doesn't count um, what flavor I do certainly because i think um, there's only two good flavors no, it's not true. I take that back. There's like 10 good flavors. but There are a lot of good flavors, I think, yeah. of Pop-Tarts. Um, I just remembered we, cinnamon and got kind of excited. We got the uh, we get the Sam's pack, and it's wild cherry and blueberry. And I like blueberry. Christina likes cherry, so it works perfectly. I don't like either of those, so you guys are um, meant for each other. Yep, yep, yep. We are. We are indeed. Um then I think I, I like fruit. Like that's, that's the thing Like the strawberry is one weird. is really strong. Strawberry. Stra- I think it's very strong. Um, I, I think uh, the here, here, here's my hot take about pop tarts. I felt bad about getting them considering what they went through, have gone through, are going through. I don't know the, what do you mean? Things going on with their union or whatever. Oh, I don't and know anything bat- about that. Okay. This batch of pop tarts 
could not be more definitively done by a group of executives who had to work on the line. Like they're still tasty, but they're like off center. So like you get maybe like half an inch of all crust and then the frosting and then like the frosting goes off the other edge and it's just chaotic. It's like, come on dudes. That's not to get too much into this, but like, I hate it when people say like low skill jobs because they're so important. I can't (laughs) remember what, like if you're working on the factory line of pop tart ink for 38 years and all of a sudden, I mean, you you don't want to cross a picket line, which more power to you. Love that. We're great. We're pro union on this pod. Probably like, and some scab comes in and thinks that, the consistency and quality is going to carry over the same for something as simple as a pop tart. It's just mindless. I can't remember what the company was, um, but they had scabs cross a picket line. I'm calling them scabs because I really don't know what else to call them. So I'm sorry if that's derogatory. Um, yeah. And it's just easy and it's kind of fun to say now. And mm-hmm. they, you just saw them operating a forklift and they dropped an entire pallet of whatever the product was. And it was like all over Twitter for a day. It's like, yeah, like, I mean, what, what, what'd you expect? Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to dive too much into that, but you're, you're exactly right. Like there, there are skills at every job that I do not, I could learn if I have to, but man, some people are so good. So people are so my, good with Palomar. Yeah. My job is solo skill. I sit like it's, when I say solo skill, I mean, so like it's the lowest skill job out there. I sit in front of a word processor all day, eight hours a day, writing puns. Like anybody could freaking do this. But anyway, I don't. Yeah. Anyway, so so that that that's some, that that was a tangent. Um, what I'm okay, trying to so, ask is how much cheese is too much cheese. So, uh, so I guess to answer your first question is, I don't think I have a really weird snack at the moment. This um, Christina. Here's what Christina does. This is incredible. Mm, I'm getting excited. She'll take a multitude of savory and sweet chip type things, put them together, create her own Chex Mix. It's it's really quite remarkable. Like it, it's not. Uh, there's these things called Bucky's Nuggies from Texas. Uh, yeah, like spicy. They're just like they're like corn. Aren't those yeah. like the Buck Nugs? Are they corn and caramel basically? There's some of those. And the, okay. but there's a spicy version of those. Oh, so like okay. she'll she'll mix those in. She has like these sesame things from Trader Joe's that get in there. I love um, sesame sticks. Yeah. Whenever she does it, I kind of look at her weird. But I'm like, I, I've I've maintained this facade of like not actually trying any of them and just looking at them from afar. They look good every time. What, whatever she comes up with, this medley I call it. Um, Needless to say, I don't have a weird. I don't think I have a weird snack. Um, but so your second does she question: order, how, Hold on, does she does she order Bucky's through the through the mail and get those delivered? Because it's only in Texas, right? She did once. She oh, did okay. once. Yeah, yeah. But we were back in Texas recently, so she was mm. able to stock some, we were able to yeah. snack some of those. Um, I don't think there's. You can never have enough cheese. I think that's the answer, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Like, Thank you. like I can I can think of a reason to have seven cheeses, right? Like you got to have your Parmesan Reggiano or yep. whatever yep. Parmesan you made, do. Made Cacio Pepe. Yep. That's what I bought it for. Yep. You need that. You need like cheddar 
uh, Monterey mm-hmm. Jack, mm-hmm. and then whatever sliced cheese you're feeling in the moment. Boom, that's mm-hmm. four. Mm-hmm. And then you know you pick up other stuff, and you're at seven. I mean, you, yeah, you just eat cheese all the time. Is that is that kind of your point? That's basically that, it. That's yeah, che- cheese is like my snack. It and it's I put it on like I've got two different types of goat cheese. Put that on all my salads. The okay. lately, lately my uh, I'm out of string cheese. And I can only afford to buy string cheese from Costco. Uh, so I haven't been able to make it to Costco recently. So lately, Aldi has been carrying like these cheese curds that I've never bought before, like fresh cheese curds in a bag. And they're so good. Just pop them like they're little potato chips, except they're cheese and way better. I, I can't recommend those highly enough. Uh, fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff, Ben. Is it? Are you doing like the charcuterie board or is it just exclusive cheese it is me eating cheese from a bag in a half-lit room at all hours cool. of the day like like a goblin in front right in front of my fridge and then scurrying back, <laughs> then scurrying back to my web browser to fire off deals <laughs> yeah there's never enough cheese ben never enough cheese and, and like it's got the protein too like i mean that's always like i want to steal one of elliot's little cheese call mm. jack cheese sticks um I'll snag one of those, just scarf it down. Boom, boom, boom. Fantastic. Yeah, I got hooked on cheese sticks when visiting my you know, niece a couple years ago. So that's how I got it. Another big thing that I had, another big Aldi cheese find is ricotta. Just eat that from the tub. That's another good one, too. <laughs> <laughs> is that a bridge too far? <laughs> your eyes just dropped your stomach. <laughs> I, I'm... I'm not going to knock it till I try it, Ben. I, I think that that yeah, cause, cause like my it. issue, like my issue is like issue is the wrong word. My holdup is I put ricotta and mascarpone into kind of the same bucket, and like mascarpone is essentially cream yeah. cheese. Yep, and taking just a flat out bite of mascarpone seems a little too much. But I haven't the ricotta. I think I have to. It's different. It's different. The, it's, the texture is much different. It's not nearly yeah. as what's oh, horrid rich as yeah. cream cheese. Yeah. Well, that was it, Ben. W- what an intro that was. Yeah. Um, incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. So um, here we are. Iowa basketball sits at uh, fifteen and seven, five and six in the Big Ten Conference as of this recording. And they got a much-needed win against Minnesota. Um, as I mentioned, you know, Patrick's been really pretty good. But I, I think the story is kind of twofold T- to me um, above Patrick. One, Keegan Murray. Like, I-, I thought that against Minnesota, you saw him be as assertive as he's ever been. And then... I thought that his ability to not get into two foul jail and not test whether Billy Taylor was going to implement two foul or not uh, was good. And then the defensive intensity in the second half was really fantastic. And, um, you know, this is always what happens, right? It feels like, is this defensive intensity going to carry over to the next game or the next game or the next game. And it did feel like there was something a little bit different about that second half against Minnesota. I can't believe what I saw 
in the Minnesota game, especially after um, was it Luke Lowe intercepts the inbound with eight seconds left? Oh yeah, and that like one of the most incredible things, and, and I mean incredible in the most derogatory way possible. Like how you let, let that happen, and I was therefore down after that. Like, are we down five or six at half? Uh, four points. It felt like more though. Like it, it really felt, like, felt way more. like more. Well, cause I was, was down about eight to 10, the entire first half really. Then, then mm-hmm. the last couple of minutes, they, they made it a, uh, a one possession, two possession game. And, uh, I can't even remember like part of me, if I wasn't like kind of with friends socially watching the game, I, I might not have tuned in in the second half. Cause I just, it felt like one of, and if, I could remember the password on my betting app. I probably would have bet Minnesota <laughs> heavily in the second half, but thankfully I couldn't, and I didn't feel like resetting it. So it's just truly unbelievable, Like especially – and I kind of really thought uh, – like going before that even, knowing that Billy Taylor – we're slightly optimistic that Fran, you know, he's got COVID and – Maybe the assistant coach is going to shake up the starting lineup. Well, he did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the most uninspiring way possible. Truly. Like, I wouldn't even have been able to. Like, I, I don't know. I'm kind of showing my butt here, but it's like, even if I try and do my most, like, best coaching impression, like, let's say I wanted, if it was up to me, I would have put, like, let's say we started Chris Murray and just had played big, is probably what I would have done. But if I was mm-hmm. like a coach, I probably would have just sat Bohannon and started uh, Perkins. But instead, you move Bohannon to the one and Perkins to the two and Toussaint to the clubhouse or to the doghouse. And I mean, do I want to say it worked? No, because I will play horribly in the first half, right? But then the starters come in in the second half and kind of uh, immediately just start to build a run. Yeah, so like I, I think that this is where I lean a little bit on Thad uh, as Thad and Bart, and they're they're both Thad is current high school basketball coach, Bart is a former high school basketball coach, and they have very divergent opinions of of Jordan Bohannon. But I think Thad's point is the best one, which is Bohannon has an elite skill. And what Iowa tried to do was get him going again because, yes, he has value simply by being on the court, but he still needs to hit shots. So they put him in into that role that he had for, you know, the previous four seasons. And it paid immediate dividends, right? Like he made two threes. And it's like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Didn't make a single one the rest of the game. But I think I do concur with your assessment that it felt like such a weird, weird, weird change to make. Um, Because even though I like Tony Perkins, I'm not sure he would have been the guy I started at the two as well. Like, I, I think I would have considered either, as you mentioned, Chris Murray going big with like, you know, like three guys who are six eight around, or four guys who are six eight six nine around Bohannon. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would have gone with like Aaron Ulis. And even though Perkins started, 
it really did feel like Aaron Euless was ultimately kind of the guy that made it work. And he's, I love Joe Toussaint. I love what he brings, but I think Aaron Euless, his size is a good compliment to Bohannon. Um, he plays big. He plays within himself, both on offense and mainly on defense, but on offense, he also plays within himself in, in, in the sense that you don't necessarily see him force things. Maybe he over dribbles, but I think it's more out of patience than, than anything. Um, but I thought it, your original point, a weird starting lineup, and I'm trying to pull up the the pivots analysis uh, of this to see how the actual starting lineup did. But to your point, like they did get those points back in the first half, but you look at the under 16 timeout, it was Minnesota got them back again, 47-42. It's like, oh, but in the final 16 minutes, Iowa held them to 12 points. 12 points unbelievable. in 16 minutes. And, and it, it literally is unbelievable, like you said, at, at kind of the top of it. And if you can, I want you to look up what Aaron Ulysses' previous high for minutes in a game was. He played 21 and a half minutes. That has to, be, that has to eclipse, I feel like, his high career high by 10 minutes. And I'm trying to even think of a game this year where he did play 10 minutes. I think maybe that he played quite a bit in the Purdue game, I think, in the second Purdue game. Um, I could be wrong though. Uh, you know, and then it's just like, I remember, I do feel, talk about you on my ass. I do remember we had this exact conversation too on our last pod. And I sort of asked you what the fix would be. And you kind of said more minutes for Peyton Sanford. And I said, I don't think that's the answer at all. And Sanford, uh, you know, maybe give me a week and I'm going to want to see, he, he played 10 minutes uh, against Minnesota you know, maybe I'm going to want him to start a game now. It just shows how fickle I am, but he's he's looked really nice, and he's provided, you know, um, five points only in 10 minutes, but, like, we needed all five of them at the time, and he was just, like, I think his first made basket was a three at a time where Iowa might have been uh, on the receiving end of an 8-0 run or a 9-0 run from Minnesota, so it kind of stopped the bleeding there. He just seemed to do a lot of things well, and um, could you know? I would like to see him a little bit more. Yeah, I think Peyton Sanford's an interesting guy because he he's big and he's built. Um, and I think really what it, it, through the frame of reference of like being a freshman, right, straight out of high school, like he he looks the part, and he hasn't seen a shot he doesn't like. Like I, I think those are kind of three things that are interesting uh, about him. He's, he's pretty smart. And I thought one of the, the most interesting play he made was when he's like in transition on offense and he's going one on two. And it looks like a play that's dead in the water. And he like does this little runner off of his off foot to, make the basket. And I'm like, Oh, like he, he, he has some skills that are really pretty interesting. And I think do bring a lot to Iowa simply because at times Iowa just kind of misses a score. And again, as we kind of preface at the top of this, like we're Connor McCaffrey stands or I'm a Connor McCaffrey stand. I'll let you determine whether 
you want to put yourself in that boat. But like, um, I, I think Peyton Sanford kind of showed a way that he, he probably should be Pat's primary backup just because he brings a different dimension to the team. And I also think the other thing to, to add to it is if, if Pat's going to play as well as he has lately, he deserves 30 to 34 minutes a game in those six to 10 minutes you should probably look for someone who can be more of a microwave versus like a high floor guy like Connor is. God, and even look at that. Pat's 18 and seven and only 29 minutes. I mean, say only. Pat's been awesome. I feel like 29 minutes is is fine, but yeah. Um, I guess I just, and let's also say Minnesota isn't really anything special either. They got, they just got killed in their home court by Michigan state in the game before this one. Um, I like Ben Johnson. I like their team. Um, but I think these are all five new starters this year. Um, except for maybe Eric Curry. Uh, I don't know. I guess, I don't know this time last week. Following the Penn State loss, I was about as down as I could be on Iowa. And it's just week to week because we could also be – right now we could be having this conversation when Iowa is also coming off a loss against Ohio State or one and one in the last two games. Um, and that kind of changes things, you know. But Iowa last night gets a transitive win over Duke. Uh, just beat Minnesota, kind of riding a little bit high with – Gosh, who do we even have on Thursday? Maryland. Maryland, who is sort of a door, kind of a doormat this year. Interesting thing that's going on with them. Um, can sort of take this time to really build some momentum. You know, every game's a must win, sort of, you know, really from here on out, haven't really allowed ourselves to make too many mistakes. And I guess I, I don't really know. The problem is like, it is February there, you know, the friend February fate is, you know, relatively fake. Um, it just seems like though that the table is a little bit set for heartbreak simply because I keep coming back to the two main things I asked you before the season started where I will lax a true five and even more disastrous than I had predicted. I will lax a true three point threat and, those are two things Iowa has lived and died by and the entirety of the Fran McCaffrey era. You think about sharpshooters like Peter Jock and, and Bohannon and Josh Oglesby for approximately one half of a season and Joe Wieskamp and Aaron White and um, Utah. I mean, Utah, yeah. Utah was the next person I was getting to. Gosh, dang yeah. it. Um, and then in terms of center is obviously Luca Garza, but then Adam Woodbury and Gabe O'Shaney uh, weren't any slouches either. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of like ooh, I, these are the, the Iowa Fran is missing those pieces, and the guys he sort of has replacing them aren't really anything new. I guess like I'm trying to think of a forward, I can't think of a good comps to Toussaint or. Perkins or Euless or Pat or I mean Keegan obviously it's like he, he does a lot of things I feel like Utah did but he's not as good as a shooter but he's you know obviously better dribble drive better around the rim um so I guess France trying to build this Lego set with um different pieces 
I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think the the shooting's interesting. This is a something I raised in in the group Slack, which was Bohannon right now is the number four shooter in conference play. And this is all separated by like tenths of a percent. So like take it with a grain of salt. But you have Chris Murray, who I think has exceeded expectations. Um, Keegan is above that. And then Patrick is actually above it as well. And I think uh, I'm, I say this all the time, Newland on kind of a, a, a column to write, but I think where I'm ultimately settling in is if Patrick can find his ceiling, then I think Iowa can find theirs and it can be higher than past ceilings that Iowa has had. Um, I'm just, if Patrick's going to be close to a 40% three point shooter and he's at like 38% in conference right now, he's, he's a really, really, really good ball player. Like that changes everything. I think it's a, the issue was for the past, not to cut you off, the issue was for the past two weeks, I think Pat's built himself up to 30 38% shooter, yeah. you know, helpfully too, because I mean, he went two for three against Minnesota. But I think Iowa was shooting around after the Purdue loss, I think, or maybe the Penn State loss, Iowa was shooting around 31% on the season because they, they had shot like yeah. – 18% or 28% in that game. So it was just such a nosedive like I've never seen before after. I mean, I've kept a close eye on every single Fran McCaffrey team. And I, it is just kind of like watching walk, watching a dog walk on two feet where you just can't have a guy you can hand it off to and feel good about. I mean, God, not to keep on naming shooters, but like even Zach McCabe was ice cold. And obviously Matt Gaitens, how could we? I couldn't forget him either for that stretch he went on in his senior year. Yeah, so the, there are two stats I wanted to circle back on. The Aaron Euless one, he actually played 27 minutes against Penn State, double overtime, so call it 17 mm. in, in that mm. one. Um, but he did play 24 against Illinois, 20 against Purdue the first time. And I would call those kind of the three or four most minutes he's played prior to 21 um 21 points or excuse me, 21 minutes against, against Minnesota, man, 21 points against Minnesota would have been freaking crazy yeah. from, from him. Um, and then the other one, the starting lineup went minus six in 14 total minutes. And I actually think that that is probably a little more than Fran would play his starters altogether throughout the course of a game. Also the issue that, he has run into in the past four or five games has been Keegan Murray to foul jail. So um, two stats yeah. I want to circle back, circle back to that we had, but to your point about like finding a shooter and really, I, I, I think Iowa has the makings of a, a really, really interesting team. And They've shown enough, I think, to be optimistic about those prospects. But the issue comes, and this is, as you alluded to a little earlier, getting the transitive win against Duke. Iowa doesn't have that, like, signature win, quote-unquote. And yep, th- this is kind of your concern about looking at the schedule as it stands now. And 
Michigan State would be a signature win, so to speak. But it's not like uh, Iowa had such a front-loaded schedule. The the really the only one that would be a signature win is going into Illinois and winning there because Ohio State, Iowa, and Michigan State, as of this podcast, are 2021-22 in Ken Palm. And, you know, I, I think where, where they're at is, like, beat the teams you're supposed to beat, which I think now includes Michigan. And they're safe, but they're just not compelling, I think, in a way that maybe fans would prefer. I don't know. Like, this is where I come back to, like, looking at it from the preseason standpoint and where they're at versus versus what I thought of them preseason. And, and I have thoughts there, but I, I'd be curious to to hear, hear yours as you kind of reset with, call it 10 games left in, in the Big Ten season. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Michigan State is about to lose to Wisconsin on its home court here. So really, uh, depending on when we play Ohio State and what the status of their program is, Illinois, last game of the year, is Iowa's only chance of getting a a true signature win this season. Usually, Iowa does – a lot of times, Iowa, you know, wins the whatever preseason tournament they're invited to or beats a team that's ranked higher like Virginia, like when Iowa beat North Carolina when they were – on their home court, whatever, when North Carolina was number five or number six when I think that happened. Um, And – then steals one at Michigan State, or um, usually, uh, you know, usually has decent success against like Wisconsin. Can't really remember beating up. I feel like Michigan's always been a thorn on our side, but then you know takes away those games and then doesn't lose to Rutgers, doesn't lose to Purdue, uh, not Purdue, excuse me, Penn State. Um, I, and I would be a team like Penn State. So like this year, it, I see the numbers as like I would like even. I was uh, I looked at the AP poll yesterday, and Iowa got four. I want to say four votes or seven votes under ten, but it, you know, in between f- four and nine, and that like that just surprises me because I look at this team, and I mean, what is their signature win right now? Is it Virginia or is it Indiana? And neither of those games are in suit, right? Like that's it. I think it's Utah State. Like I mean, oh I, my god, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's technically the only quad one win. And, like, I think – Did Virginia not move to a quad one win after last night? No, they moved up to 80th. So, like, I mean, yeah. I mean, Virginia is going through, like, what Iowa went through in 2016 where they had, like, two – they have two just cinder blocks attached to their feet in terms of – what the advanced analytics think about them in terms of losing to Navy and James Madison. Those are horrible losses. There's no defense for that except for the fact that they went to James Madison to do that. So, yeah, I mean, those are, those are the three quote unquote signature wins. And I think, yeah, be, be an Indiana fan, be a Virginia fan, be a Utah state fan down the stretch, because that's going to, carry Iowa from a, a quad perspective. Um, I do think though that 
what's interesting about this team from like a win loss standpoint, if you look at kind of like the expectations, I don't know if they're where I thought they would be. I think, I think my best case scenario probably would have had them a smidge above this, if that makes sense. Like I would have had them beating Iowa state. I would have had them beating Penn state. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I think the fact that they don't have any, they don't have any cinder blocks is really what it comes down to. And you look at the schedule, there are two cinder blocks remaining in Nebraska and Iowa just has to win those. Like that's so scary. Yeah. Get, get to 10 big 10 wins and they're safe. And I, and I think that that's, it's not a compelling resume, but it's, it's one that gets you into the tournament considering the bubble that currently exists. I just, I don't think 10, I just don't think looking at the schedule, I just don't think 10 wins. And let's be honest, a first game exit in the big 10 tournament gets Iowa into the, into the dance be, just simply because as long as I've been an Iowa fan, we've never caught a break. And Iowa has never gotten the benefit of the doubt in the tournament in terms of tournament perspective. So I just don't see that changing this year with this team. The one time they did was actually 2017. And to your point, what, they we played Davidson. No, they oh. peed down their leg against Indiana in the big 10 tournament and ended up being a one seed in the NIT. Cause that was a team. Oh. That was pun- okay. Well, that, that proves my point. It does prove your point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Iowa will need to win a game in the Big Ten tournament, I think, to solidify that they're in. And I think that's ultimately your point is get to 11 wins, including the Big Ten tournament, and they're probably safe. Yeah. I mean, or am I putting words into your mouth? Sorry. No, 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 no. I, yeah, I think 10, so what, 10 more wins in addition to at least one Big Ten tournament win. Yeah, I mean, I'd feel better about that, but I'd feel a lot better if Iowa had 11 wins or 12 wins and then a, a nice little run in the Big Ten tournament where we take down somebody in the second round um, and then get pooped on in the third, but whatever. I... This team, wait, you're calling the, you think they would be an entry game team? Is that what you're putting up? No, so in entry the, game is what, bottom four? Yeah. I don't know how, yeah, so we wouldn't be an entry, so it would be we get a bye, okay. and then, so I guess maybe beat somebody in the um, second round and then lose in the third. Oh, okay, okay. For some, I guess, some reason, I was thinking you were talking about uh, in the NCAA tournament. I'm like, oh, I take no, that. No, 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 get no. Get me to no, the no, third no, round no, by no, any. No, no, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about the <laughs> tournament. God, no, God, no. And I guess, and here's what's so frustrating to me is, like, Iowa had great success against Wisconsin last year. Obviously, yeah. two pretty different teams. But I'm watching Iowa's having, or Wisconsin's having an incredible year. And, like, their roster makeup is the same. But it's like Keegan Murray is the same foil to uh, the superstar in Wisconsin, whose name slips my, I want to say Jordan Davis, Jonathan Davis, Jonathan Davis. And so like, <laughs> I, I, again, it just comes down to it. feel like I would like Brad Davidson's a really good three point shooter this year. All of a sudden I hate it. And it just kind of feels like it's the roster maker was the same on Wisconsin as I was. And it, I would um, just can't really translate it over for whatever reason. You raise a good point because, like, Iowa and Wisconsin, 
were in the same boat preseason as bubble teams. Like, if they get into the tournament, it's a successful season for both of these teams. I would even put, like, IU. I think we're kind of that soft, squishy. Yeah, IU with a new coach, yeah. I think those are kind of the three teams like, oh, if if they get into the tournament, it's been a successful year for them. And I think I I watched Wisconsin so rarely because it brings me so little joy under any circumstance. But when I've tuned in randomly, their roster is so uninspiring, except for the fact that Johnny Davis is an incredible guard. And to your point, Brad Davison – is a good three-point suitor, a dirty but effective defender. And it works because they've been doing the same thing for my whole life, basically. And the reason they did that is because they were – they had nowhere else to turn except for Dick Bennett, and Dick Bennett got him to the Elite Eight in his – Last year, second to last year, they kept Bo Ryan and the the train moving, and they just keep doing the same thing. Like I think that's what people don't realize about Wisconsin is it was like a absolute hail mary that paid off because they were really not a very good basketball program before the two thousands. And well, and I don't know got how so lucky too because they. They picked Bo Ryan like a local hero, right? He was at Whitewater yeah. or something. And so you could argue mm-hmm. that they, they cheaped out. I mean, obviously he was like incredible at Whitewater, but like how often do you hear of a division three coach in any respect going on? And I mean, Bo Ryan never finished below fourth in the big 10. Like I fucking hate him, but he was absolutely incredible. So like not only did Wisconsin, they did the thing that I want to do every day is go for the cheap pick and then have it, you know, they 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 got a one dollar lottery ticket, basically, and yeah, and became millionaires over the course of a couple seasons. I mean, arguably billionaires, even. Brought them to yeah, a, brought them to a national championship game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where Wisconsin is is like it's, and they have a we have the same discussion with football that we kind of have with basketball, but you know, they have a better recruiting base. They're more like Wisconsin's an incredible basketball state. Iowa's a better basketball or an improving basketball state. But like you look at Wisconsin and the people that come from Wisconsin, like they let some of those guys go like Tyrese Halliburton's from Wisconsin, Uh, Tyrese Hunter, I, I think whatever the two Iowa state point guards, they're both from Wisconsin. It's like, they're able to do this with local kids. And I think that that's why Iowa fans are like, Oh, how how can Iowa not do this? If if they're looking at local kids and here's what I come down to, like what is the cost benefit analysis of doing things the way that Wisconsin does? What is it worth to me? I don't, I don't know if it's worth it. Like, I'd rather watch Fran's gen- generally exciting brand of basketball that finishes somewhere between fifth and eighth in the Big Ten and whatnot versus an ugly brand of basketball that needs to be done in such a on a, on a tightrope 
and has the success that Wisconsin has. And I don't even maybe I guess if it gets you to the Sweet Sixteen, is that the, is that the cost, Ben? Is is that does it that make it worth it? Yeah, I'm about to call bullshit on that because, like, obviously it's fun to make fun of Wisconsin and their gross-ass brand of basketball, and same with Virginia. But, look, Virginia won a national – like, I watched Virginia win a national championship in person. I I would love it. I would much prefer eyes-gouging basketball if, if, it's my, if my team is the one with the other teams in a goddamn full Nelson. You know, like, I think that's stupid. Sorry, I, I just disagree with you. And do, do what I do. I want Greg Gard as our coach. No, do I want more success for Fran? Yes, and if that means totally and completely changing his basketball philosophy, <laughs> then so be it. And if I mean, I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna, but you know, we know who Fran is. He's not gonna change, and that, like that's fine. So I have to support him. But I think we'd be whistling a different tune um, if we were the ones cheering on for, I don't even know. I, don't, I was about to say like Brad Davis and like kicks, but I, I can't advocate for that. I I will say, I want to push back a little bit on your point. Like Wisconsin's a good basketball state, but Wisconsin's benefit more than anything. Their two neighboring States in Minnesota and Illinois are both talent rich basketball yeah. states and you're right about that and have uh, Illinois, up until recently for Illinois and up until forever for Minnesota, they, their college programs, in their state have been absolutely abysmal. Like I I'm on Minnesota's or I'm on Wisconsin's roster right now. And there are four players <laughs> from Minnesota. They're all contributors. And before I always forget, cause I try and memory hole it, but Brad Davison is, <sighs> is he a cake eater? No, he's not. God, no, he's not a cake eater. We teach them better than that. But he he is from Minnesota, and I count <laughs> one, two. I count three guys from Illinois um, on this Wisconsin team, and you know it's like Fra- Frank Kaminsky was from Illinois, and yep, I've Ben Brust, and there's another guy um, on that on those Wisconsin teams that are from Minnesota. So it's like they benefited from that. So here here's like the. the post Bo Ryan success that Greg Gard has had. I'm not counting the first two sweet 16s with Bo Ryan's recruits. He's gone, missed the tournament, made it, but lost the first game. 2020 rabbit out of the hat, winning the big 10, but the tournament was canceled. Oh, okay. Yeah. One and done one and done last year. And now I don't know if they're necessarily in the driver's seat, but they're absolutely in the driver's seat. They're increasingly in the driver's seat um, as it pertains to uh, this big 10 tournament. I mean, I I guess that's the thing, right? Like there, there's a value that folks place on winning the big 10 that I guess I just don't like, I don't think Iowa has a chance winning the big 10, Season in, season out, I think the double buy is an incredibly successful regular season um, for Iowa basketball. So, like, I, I don't think it's top them four. On. Yeah, objectively, it's incredible season. It's top four. So, I, I don't put like the bar for success on whether Iowa, and I don't think people do, but like, I don't put not having 
a Big Ten regular season title against Fran, nor do I really put like the tournament, not having a tournament title against Fran either. But to to your counter, you're right. Like Wisconsin has an undeniable track record of success that you probably do take. You probably do take that at the cost of generally displeasing basketball to watch night in, night out. Ugh. So I'm looking we, right now. We talked now. about Wisconsin too much. Yeah, I was literally wrote that down. We've talked about Wisconsin too much. Going back to 2010, and I just chose that number. It's arbitrary. Do you know how many schools have won the Big Ten tournament? Is it three or four? Hold on. One, two, four, but only because Illinois won last year. Before that, it was three. So it was what? Wisconsin, Michigan, and Ohio State? And Michigan State? Oh, wait. No, never mind. I, I can't. So it was Ohio State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Michigan. And then, so it was, five, it was four, and then Illinois is five. Four till five. Year. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, still. Now, in this day and age, that's 10%, you know, 20% of the big of the conference is controlling the basketball tournament. Yeah, yeah. I was also thinking about this before we were talking. Um, the standards that we have for football versus basketball, like I, I think generally we have – more nuanced standards for basketball than we do for football. And I was thinking about it because there's been that chatter where Iowa or where the big 10 may go back to divisionless football and how that would shift the expectations so significantly, because as it stands now, like Iowa should always be in the West division running. They just should. And I think a bar for success is winning the West or not, which is why I'm really not too bent on a shape about the, the 2021 season, even though God, the offense, but if they go back to divisionless, I think I start having really, really nuanced opinions about, what a successful football season is in a way that I don't really right now. I think part of it, you know, we've talked about this before. It's like, there's only 12 football games a year and there is 30 or whatever for basketball. And with basketball, it's like, I was, you know, probably never going to make the football playoff when it's four teams or, or when it's eight teams. But if Iowa makes it to the, I mean, it's just, if they make the Big Ten to not the Big Ten tournament, the the NCAA tournament, like that's just fun. That's like an easy. First of all, it's like relatively quote unquote easy to make for Iowa and as a coach for Fran. And two, it's really really easy thing for fans to point at as a measuring stick for success. Um, and then once you get there, it's like okay, Sweet Sixteens and then Elite Eights and so on and so forth. Whereas like with football. I mean, what do we, my demarcation for a good season is 10 wins, which is like, not like, yes, you cheer for it, but it's not like something you look forward to. It's like something you 
I don't want to say expect, but it's like, it, it's really easy, especially when you look, it depends, obviously it changes with like schedule and everything, but it's like 10 wins you can usually rely on as a really great season before that, like for some of the lesser teams, it'd be get six wins. You know, bowl eligibility is like built into coaching contracts and things like that. So I, ju- I just think, and then it's like also frustrating too, because then you'll see school schools like, I can't like Loyola and like George Mason and whoever yeah. VCU go on and do great things. And it's like, why can't Iowa, you know, just get hot? Like the, the recruiting numbers and all, all that. It's like, <laughs> so it's just like uh, this sort of, you always say bites of the apple. I, I don't know what, yeah. like, I don't know what the, I'm trying to think of this fairy tale analogy, this, the star that they could reach for. That's always there, and it's you just have to make the tournament to to, to just get on the stepping stool to, to have it just be out of your fingertips. And I guess my my overall point is like I don't know. There's only been you know Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan. Uh, have, are what are those? Aren't those only two teams that have been a national championship national championship in recent memory? Michigan State's not done very well in the tournament recently, and um, I mean, so then we'll we'll see what happens with Illinois and Purdue this year. I mean, um, what Illinois lost Loyola first game of this uh, tournament last year, right? That was so sweet. Yeah, um, second second round, yeah, second round. That was, um, oh, I loved that game. That, yeah, that, that was awesome. warmed my heart. Mm-hmm. So it's just like I was always been on the side of these heartbreaks, and it's just always sort of the the why not us? And I'm afraid, like I know I don't. Sometimes I don't know why it's not us. This year, I know why it's not us for Iowa. I'm afraid. So I, the thing is, like. I think the teams that have had success that you're talking about, like the VCU or George Mason is they've been chronically underseeded. And to me, I point, I think about the one Iowa team that was aggressively underseeded. And it was that one against Tennessee in the play in game. And it was there for them. Like you go back and you look and they were, Tennessee was the 11 seed that came out of that game. They played a bad Massachusetts six seed and then Mercer would have played the 14 and then would have played the 14 seed Mercer. And it's such a fine needle to thread. And I think this is, this is always why I say bites at the apple. Cause like you look at a Syracuse who has gotten in multiple times and like not necessarily that play in game, maybe just ahead of that play in game, but because they play, they get the bite at the apple. And, you know, Bayheim's able to work his magic and win two games and get to the Sweet 16. Iowa's problem is they haven't been, they haven't gotten that benefit of the doubt that you've talked about before. Where, okay, they're on the wrong side of the bubble, but we know what they're going to be once you get into the tournament. And I think that's something that like Syracuse specifically has benefited from. And uh, I think about last year, right? Like a two seed should get to the sweet 16. I, I'm not going to, I'm about to, but like a two seed 
should get there, and there's little excuse not to. But you look at how the other, you know, highly seeded Big Ten teams did, and Ohio State lost in the first round, Michigan lost lost in the Sweet 16, but had, as I recall, a tough path even to getting into the Sweet 16. Um, and then Illinois lost in the second round, and it's like those wins and losses happen all the time against good teams. And Iowa played the one team – I've complained about this so many times. They played the one team that didn't have to win to advance that had – I was looking at this stat recently. Like, what would what would you have said was one of the best advantages that Iowa had last year in terms of like their roster makeup? I mean, besides having the national player of the year. Yeah, besides, besides having <laughs> the national player of the year. Um, I mean, then have another NBA player behind them with Joel Wieskamp. Probably pro- two NBA players. I think is a good enough yeah. fucking reason for me. Yeah, and they were experienced. This is the yeah. one that stuck out to me. Yeah, they were incredibly experienced. They were a top twenty experienced team, according to Ken Palm. Oregon was even more experienced. And, uh, yeah, yeah, fucking blew my mind. Yeah. And they're going up against Dana Altman, who's a really, really good coach. Like, I mean, he's a really, really good coach. Probably, I mean, probably what top. Five to ten. I know. Looking at, um, I looked at his Wikipedia, but you know, after the game, and like couldn't believe it because Iowa has. I think Fran was two and zero against him or something, right? They beat him when they had Bowl Bowl a couple years yeah. ago, and then I think he beat him in one of his some weird wonky game earlier in both their earlier both their tenures at their schools. Um. So I think, at least for me, kind of overthinking is just like kind of shrugged off the Ducks. For those couple yep. between I was success against, between France success against Altman, and I wanted to tell myself that not playing a game was a disadvantage for Oregon. Oh yeah, I did that too. Yeah, of course. I mean, but that's just natural. <laughs> that's only natural as fans. Yeah. Um. And, and just like what horrible luck, but. Eventually, it's like eventually Iowa has to take that bite of the apple. Where maybe it's this year, maybe it's maybe this is the year where Iowa gets in as a ten or eleven seed and they squeak by the team that they're playing and face a team that upset the higher seed. Well, maybe this is the year. Talking about <laughs> just get there. Talk about the things that we tell the lies we tell ourselves is like yes. I want to now agree with you because it's like my complaint at the beginning of this podcast is Iowa lacks a true three point shooter and a true center, and those are the things that has helped Iowa win in Big Ten play. Well, we're not going to probably play a Big Ten team <laughs> the first two rounds of the National Play Tournament, and all of a sudden the this untraditional Big Ten team is going up against let's say Oregon State. I think is having an okay year and. I don't know. I was about to say Baylor, but absolutely not. Um, I don't know. Some like Providence or UConn, whatever, some big East. Yeah. Providence is a great one. Yeah. Who I think is like the supposed to be like, aren't they, aren't they top five? And then they're like number two twenty five in Ken Palm or something crazy like that. Providence is a four seed right now, but like if they win the big East, how, how could they not be a top two seed? Right. 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 
So, I mean, fine. Book it. Iowa Sweet Sixteen. What's what are the what are the what are the locations this year? I'm kidding. Don't look. I, I'm up. going if it's in Fort Worth. That the the first round. I, I've I've already committed to to uh, to that. Wow, that's neat. Mentally, if Iowa goes, you're that, just go, you're going to Fort Worth no matter what. I, I did the go to the first round, and no matter what, I went and saw Kansas play someone, and then. Michigan State, Miami, you just miss out on too much of what makes March Madness great if you go for some random pairing. Um, so I'm only going to go if I was there. But That first weekend was uh, made for – that's better than any drama on television. Yeah. I already took – You have to watch it at home. Yeah. No, not yeah. at home. You go, well, unless you have a fancy two, three TV setup situation. You got to – you just got to go anywhere you can – get multiple eyes oh, that's screens. Fair. Yeah. 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 Elliot will be at daycare and we will be uh enjoying it from a bar, which as I say this, it means he's going to be sick. Uh, that's that's a guarantee. Without question. So, so Ben, we've we've uh ran the gamut on Iowa basketball. I think I think that was a, a pretty successful podcast in, in that respect. And I wanted to close with a uh, Iowa football palace intrigue minute. Yeah, Broderick Benz is no longer the assistant athletic director for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's interesting. I don't think it's good or bad or or anything else. I just think. It's interesting, and we'll see more from that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to comment because talk about palace intrigue. This is something we have apps like these are kind of uncharted waters. This is a new thing for the Iowa program, and my whole uh, the only thing I'll say about it is, and I can't remember if I said this on the pod last week or two weeks ago, but it was like my whole thing was what happens to Broderick Bins Bins now with the dissolution of that committee. So I'm glad. It is. <laughs> I am glad that we do know what happens to product bins. I'm, and I I, I don't want to say how I feel about it because I, I just don't know. But I'm glad that he's you know still have a, has a job. He still is working on behalf of the university. Um, I, I've only got great things to say about him. So I, I just hope that he can keep on doing work that he thinks is meaningful and has an impact, positive impact. Absolutely agree. And I think that the positive way to spin it is it was someone who came into the role to create something meaningful. He's leaving the role, having created something meaningful. And I don't, I don't think that can be denied um, for, for as much drama as I may want to look and find and may exist you know, but I, I think the starting point from from his role to the finishing point for his role is was a success um, by almost every measure. What is on every sign in every campground in America? Uh, only you can prevent forest fires. That and leave your campsite in better condition than when you found it. There it has been. So we'll leave this podcast in a uh, better position than we found it. Uh, pleasure talking to you as always, my man. It's a good time. 
let's not let this go two weeks. I, I think that's that's the uh, that's well, last the week. I think I, I was ready. To, were you, we would have been able to pod if I, Ohio if Iowa and Ohio State played. Probably right. We were going to do an instant pod, weren't we? Oh, you're right. I would have. I would have. I would have fought through that. It, okay. it was still Thursday. It yeah. was still Thursday. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. You're Ooh. you're an athlete. I, I have my moments, Ben. Mm-hmm. I have my moments. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Talk to you later.